0: every time
2: a proud member of the Gunna geek network the opinions expressed are those of each individual check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three two one
0: on this week's program it's time to head back to the borderlands find your next date with the help of kfc and 50 years of scooby-doo all this and more Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, and also Inside Sports, OTG Basketball, and so much more. It's truly great to be a part of the show here once again, and we thank everyone out there for listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our own hustler of pop culture cosmos you got to check out everything that's going on today at pop culture cosmos.com pop culture cosmos.wordpress.com and all of our social media and also his great book congratulations you suck it is my good friend it is josh peterson
3: what's up man and i would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling podcasters and your darn puppies that drink water during podcasts there you go
0: Yes, if it weren't for you meddling kids and that darn dog, blast it. Anyways, zoinks! But we are going to talk about 50 years of Scooby-Doo coming up later in the program. Plus also as well, Hustlers is coming out this weekend to movie theaters nationwide. We thought this wouldn't be a movie that would be faring that well at this point in time, but we have changed our minds because of some outstanding performances. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here coming up later in the program. And also as well, we want to go ahead and talk about our 121 to 130 on our top 200 video games list. Plus, as we mentioned before in the opening, KFC Kentucky Fried Chicken has a new dating sim. So we're going to talk about that here later in the program as well. And Marcus De La Garza from Red Green Gold, he's stopping by to do a NASCAR playoffs preview because the NASCAR playoffs start this weekend here in Vegas at the South Point 400. So he and I sat down to go ahead and preview the upcoming playoffs. NASCAR. But first, my friend, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be an action-packed weekend. There's a lot of stuff going on, and that's great because we've had a little bit of a slow period of time in August and the earlier part of September. But you know what? A lot more is kicking off, especially when it comes to video games, because last week we had Gears of War 5, NBA 2K20. But the game I know you're excited for, Borderlands 3, is hitting store shelves this weekend. And I know Jamie Monroy of GameSource is already playing it as we speak, so I want to hear your thoughts with Borderlands 3 coming out. The reviews have been pretty solid, 8s and 9s pretty much all the way around. I want to hear your thoughts on how Borderlands 3 is going to do and how Borderlands 3 is going to help shape the future of the Borderlands saga.
3: I think Borderlands is going to do well. It has a dedicated fan base already, and you know, once the the three month period goes, before it goes over to Steam, it'll sell even more copies. So it's basically it's got two launches going on, and so that's cool. But I think it's going to do really well. And I've read a lot of the reviews, and like I've heard complaints from people saying, "Well, it's just more Borderlands too." That's not the point, you know. The point is we get more of this game that we know and love. It looks better. It's got a more expansive world. You get to go to different planets. It's got cool upgrade system, I mean, combined specials. Like, there's a lot of stuff that they shoved into this game that wasn't in the last, what, three entries? So it, it's nice to have... It really is a new game, but it, but it's Borderlands. You know, it's like saying, oh, well, that's Gears. It's What are they offering me that's not in the other ones? It's Gears. You're going to get what you know and love. Same thing with Borderlands. You're going to get what you know and love. I think people just want to complain about things. You know, someone I was talking who said, well, it's exactly what I thought it was, just Borderlands 2 with nicer skins. And isn't that what every sequel is? The complaining bothers me because it looks like a really good game. It looks cool. I played at E3 and I'm super excited about it. I played as the Met class, but I'm kind of looking forward to really getting my hands on there and getting in, experimenting with the different classes, seeing what the skill trees are all about, playing with the new run and duck and, you know, the, the sliding system they have on there. I just Borderlands is a good time to me. It's not a game I have to take seriously. I can play it in chunks. I don't have to play it all at once. And it's It's just, it's a good time to have by yourself or with friends. And it's something that I have been looking forward to for a very long time.
0: I can't wait myself because it looks like it's going to be a great time for a lot of vault hunters out there that are going to go ahead and wreak havoc upon the world that is Borderlands. I did want to ask you though, because it is a 2K game, I know we have to go ahead and touch upon the fact that there is some microtransactions this time around. And I'm not exactly... You know, hunky-dory, feeling all the love and feeling warm and fuzzy about that. Because I've been spoiled on the fact the previous iterations of the Borderlands series, you didn't have to go through any type of microtransactions, period. So I know this is cosmetic in its nature, but the fact is when it comes to Borderlands, you shouldn't really have to go ahead and worry about those type of things. But still, I'm kind of concerned as 2K continues to creep in microtransactions into all of their games, which they promised, which we spoke about last week when it concerns NBA 2K20 and the problems and the backlash that they're having because of that from the parts of the game that you have them there. It's now starting to creep into other 2K games. And I'm thinking Borderlands 3. Again, it is cosmetic you're still gonna have the system of the randomized guns and to go ahead and be able to customize them pretty much how you want as far as what type of, of uh, you know shooting apparatus that you want. But still, I'm kind of concerned that these microtransactions continue to creep in on games. And I don't see it as a benefit. I see it more as something as far as a stumbling block that gamers will continually wanna go over. And we all say as a unison, no, we are not interested in microtransactions But at the end of the day, and 2K files those reports, and you see all those tens of millions of dollars that are spent on microtransactions for 2K games, which to me says, you know what, for all the people out there that says they're not into microtransactions, there's a lot of people that are.
3: Well, I I honestly believe if it's just like skins and, and weapons and stuff like that's That's fine. It's just, I I don't believe in the microtransactions that give you a level up on other players. You know, if you're playing a multiplayer game and you're able to buy this weapon that just completely annihilates everyone, if you're able to buy levels for your character or skill points or whatever it is, that's the kind of thing I don't believe in. You know, and 2K really was blatant with their microtransaction system in NBA 2K with the fact that it was on a slot machine. So that's something that definitely shouldn't happen. Borderlands 3, Randy Pitchford has gone out of his way to say like, there won't be anything that gives people, you know, an advantage over other people. It's all just cosmetic stuff. And that's, that's fine. Because I mean, would you technically consider like add-ons too? Would you consider that to be microtransactions? Yes and no. I mean, yeah,
0: technically it is a microtransaction in and of itself, but downloadable content is something that, hey, it's, it's there if you want it. And it's there not to impede on your game. It's it's basically as an extra DLC, is whether it's characters, whether it's skins, whether it's stuff after the fact. Because DLC to me is something that has always been added on after you experience the game itself. These microtransactions are already built into the game. And that's what's irritating to me that they're now whether it's cosmetic or whether it's to enhance the game experience or whether it's to try and give you a, an unfair advantage or a pay-to-win scenario, it's embedded in the game initially. That to me is disturbing. If it's after the game it has already been out and after you would go ahead and experience the full gambit of whatever game that you want to go ahead and experience, and that would include, let's say, Borderlands 3, I mean, It just, to me, is kind of disturbing that you want to go ahead and put it in, you know, right off the get-go and not go ahead and have it something after the fact. Because, for instance, like your Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you purchased DLC after the fact because you had already experienced the main just of what Assassin's Creed Odyssey was all about. Those options were made to you after the fact, and you wanted to go ahead and experience more, so you ended up purchasing more to experience more. With this, it's just right out of the box and for me, it's to the point where it's very unsatisfactory, especially because it's not a free-to-play game. It seems to be now that microtransactions for a lot of these titles are now just a part of the $60 package.
3: I get that. I mean, and it would be cool if they let you unlock some of this stuff and I wonder if you can, but, you know, with Borderlands 3, it's just, there's no in-game currencies to, to be added. You know, it's just, it's a skins and cosmetics that's and that's in the you can't even buy those inside the game you have to go to the microsoft store to do it and that's kind of what all these games do now too with like gears does it halo does it everybody does it you know i I get the the frustration over it because you know what happened to the good old days when a game was a game you could go and unlock the skins and the weapons and new stuff that you want this is just the, the new landscape of games. I might not like it, but it's just what people do now. And the the thing that I appreciate, though, is that you don't have to buy any of this stuff to beat the game. You just play it on your own Steam, and there's enough skins and guns and all that good stuff inside the game to completely avoid spending any money if you don't want to. Well, you've already
0: spent $60. And I agree with you on that sense that if you're able to go ahead and experience the whole campaign and experience the game as a whole without having to resort to any microtransactions, unless you really want to go ahead and do something cosmetically different that is appealing to you. That to me is okay and I can hang with that. It's just when it comes to a play to win scenario or to make yourself or whatever character that you're playing within the confines of a video game better. And that to me is very concerning. And while we don't see it in Borderlands, Again, 2K has been very adamant about adding microtransactions in each and every one of their video game releases, and that, to me, is a statement that's very disturbing because of the trends it might set going forward in their games, where it's cosmetic now, but it might be pay-to-win later.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, Borderlands has had such bad publicity that I don't see that happening just because they can't risk that type of thing. But it's something that I definitely see other games doing. I see, you know, maybe we'll end up with Doom might do it, Halo might do it. There's there's no telling down the line how many people will do that. You know, it's the whole thing of like, if you haven't seen a movie, you know, within three weeks it's been out, it's okay to spoil it. And I think that that's going to be something that game devs are going to start adapting to. Like, if you haven't beaten it within like the first three months it's been out, then it's okay for us to put out this stuff where you can basically play to win. That could be the case,
0: and we're going to see more and more scenarios where they're trying to go ahead and you know gain that extra five, ten dollars, what have you. We're going to continually see that over and over because now that Pandora's box has been opened, it's not going to stop and it's not going to stop anytime soon. But Borderlands 3, it's looking like it's going to be a big hit for 2K. I think it's going to be probably, if not the biggest game of September. It's going to be one of them because you also have FIFA and NBA 2K20 and Gears of War 5. But I do think Borderlands 3, it's getting really solid reviews. And I think it's going to be one of the best games going forward for the rest of 2019. What are your thoughts out there on Borderlands 3? We'd love to know, are you playing it? Are you excited to get it this weekend? Are you, in, you, know, are you going to go ahead and play it before the end of 2019? And if you have some early thoughts in the game, we'd love to hear from you. PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com, plus also as well PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well.
2: You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials?
0: Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code VITABrace50, you'll get half off on a VitaBrace gaming wristband, or use the code buy one get one, and it's buy one, get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABrace50, or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some Vitabrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at miraclefruitoil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. Well, my friend, I want to ask you real quick the latest movie to come out this weekend to the theaters. It's Hustlers. And you know, like I said before, This was a movie that I don't think was garnering much interest before, but after the Toronto Film Festival and after some of the best reviews of the year, especially for the performance of Jennifer Lopez, especially for her career, that people are taking a second look. I know I am, and I know I'm probably gonna have to go ahead and make sure I make an effort to go see this movie before the end of the year, because it now looks like it's going to be on a lot of top 10 lists. And i know it's not everyone's cup of tea i get that i realize that but this movie which has a group of exotic dancers getting their revenge on wealthy drunk abusive clients the synopsis is pretty much that so if you're interested in in hearing more about it and seeing more about it the reviews are really really strong for it so if you're you're interested in seeing this group of exotic dancers on this actual true-to-life story of them getting revenge on these Wall Street investors. You might wanna check it out, if not now, pretty soon because it is going to be doing pretty good. It's actually going to go ahead and exceed expectations in my opinion. You're looking at about a 25 to $30 million domestic haul this weekend. It might not pass it chapter two, but I think it will get very close, if not exceeded. So look out for Hustlers this weekend. Again, Josh, I know it's not normally your cup of tea, but I think as far as from all the advanced reviews, this could be a movie that a lot of people who weren't normally going to look into it may look into it at some point in time in the near future.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not my cup of tea, but if it's something that is going to garner, there's a lot of people who after things win awards, they go and check out the movie. Shape of Water is a big example that, you know, Target puts the movie on sale after the award ceremony and people go out and buy it in robes. So like I talked to you about it, I'm sure at some point, but, um, yeah, it could, it, it could be interesting, especially like, you know, after Jennifer Lopez's career has not exactly been one of, uh, of notes when it comes to film, this could be the, the thing that her career needs to kind of put her back onto films that she can take seriously.
0: Absolutely. And, and this goes without saying, because she and Ben Affleck around the turn of the century, Uh, worked together on one of the worst films not of just this century but of all time in jiggly i mean that's a stinker beyond all recognition and while ben affleck's career well let's let's just put the batman thing aside for a second but while ben affleck's career has for the most part exceeded expectations because he's earned an oscar got the town he's got several other very acclaimed performances under his belt since then. His career has recovered. Hers, to an extent, has in some sense because she's been in a lot of romantic comedies. But many of those have been very forgettable. Many of those have earned some money. So that's why she's she keeps being asked to be put into those positions of those, you know, of being into those rom coms. They really would never get her into the limelight as far as an actress, as far as trying to go ahead and be a top-level actress, and this is really the first occasion since, I, I think, even before the year 2000, that she's really been given the opportunity to be a, a, you know, a skilled actress that can showcase all of her talents. And like I said, coming hot off the heels of the Toronto Film Festival, where Hustlers was reviewed by so many critics praising it so much, it looks like this could be, you know, a, a big boost to her career in a different fashion. You know, she's obviously very successful on the music front. She's obviously, you know, she does concerts. She does a residency here in Las Vegas. There's no stopping her there. And again, her career would have been just fine on the movie sense because she would have starred in many more of those romantic comedies. But now because of this role, it could take her into a different direction, which could get her a lot more acclaim and, uh, you know, basically take her career on the movie side to a whole different level.
3: Yeah, she's kind of pigeonholed herself in a lot of these rom-com stuff and hustler. I understand it's a drama, so that could be cool. I, I would, you know, I'd be interested to see like what other genres she'd be able to break into successfully. Because I, you know, um, not comedy, but maybe like an action film. Maybe we could see her in a Fast and the Furious movie. There's a lot of possibilities for her. It's one of those situations where you wouldn't know until you, until you saw her in it. If that makes sense.
0: No, I, I agree with you. In fact, like I was alluding to earlier, this is probably her most acclaimed performance since Selena. When she played Selena, the famous singer who unfortunately was killed way before her time, she played that movie and she got a lot of acclaim then for the role of playing Selena. And since then, like I said, it's not been the greatest of of career paths on the movie side of things. Obviously, she's very famous for what she's done musically, but still... Hustlers is a movie, like I said, that a lot of people are now getting interested in because of the acclaim and because of the buzz that's been generated by the success and the critical acclaim it received at the Toronto Film Festival. So this story, again, of exotic dancers going ahead and gaining revenge on Wall Street investors that were really rebusive and really treated these dancers in a poor fashion is really going to go ahead and I think be a financial success how much of a success? We'll have to wait and see, but not only is she in it, Constance Wu, Lizzo, there's so many great ladies that are part of it that are all getting acclaim. The story, it seems to be, and a lot of the reviews are also coming about as far as the director is basing this more of a performance piece, and in doing so, that could be the right step to take all these ladies, especially Jennifer Lopez, into a higher stature in the movie industry. And you no, know, and what, I'm looking forward to when I'm going to go ahead and see Hustlers. I will see it before the end of 2019 because, of course, we've got our 10 best movies of the year, and I got to see if that is going to be in the mix and in the running. But again, Hustlers is a movie coming this weekend to theaters. It's getting a lot of acclaim and a lot of buzz. It looks like if it's not going to be number one, it's going to be very close behind It Chapter 2, something we probably didn't think possible maybe even two, three months ago, maybe even a month ago but Hustlers is a reality as a good film that people need to go ahead and check out this weekend at theaters. Share us your thoughts out there on Hustlers. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, humanity Media and game source on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, before we talk to Marcus De La Garza from Red Green Gold about the upcoming NASCAR playoffs, I want to ask you real quick, 50 years, man, Now, mind you, I'm older than a lot of things, but I didn't realize until a few weeks ago that I was older than Scooby-Doo. But Scooby-Doo is having its 50th anniversary on the day this show is being released on September 13th. So I want to hear your thoughts on Scooby-Doo. What were your first impressions of it? When did you first get to see it? And how has Scooby-Doo, as far as a pop culture icon, affected
3: our world? You know, it's funny because a lot of people don't remember Scooby. They've seen the merch, but they don't watch it. Like, new,
1: Scooby-Dooby-Doo.
3: Newer well. kids, yeah. So, you know, as far as goofy characters go, I think it's had a huge impact on modern cartoons. But uh, it's just... It's so iconic that it's just something that people will remember. It's something that serves nostalgia. It's something that we will always look back on with fond memories, Scooby, Especially since, like, the... The Scooby Doo episodes that had like Don Knotts on them, right? Where Scooby Doo always meets a celebrity. One of them had the Globe Trotters on there. There's a there's Phyllis a lot.
0: Diller. It had yeah, mm-hmm. had a whole bunch. Yeah. There's a
3: lot of that. And yes, you know, over the years, Scooby Doo has been reiterated many, many times. And it's just Scooby Doo. I look at it in the same way I look at something like Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Like it might disappear for a little while, but then it'll come back, and people are still. It still reaches across generations, and people are still digging it. And so. People are always trying to make characters like Shaggy, right? And and there's all these dog characters. Look at Courage the Cowardly Dog. And there's a lot on these cartoons my nephew watches these days. It's just Scooby Doo is an icon. And like whether or not kids remember the show itself, there's no denying the impact that it has had on you know modern cartoons, modern storytelling. Just because it's it was able to do something and deliver. I would even say look at like scary stories of Home in the dark with Guillermo del Toro. It's Sco, Scooby Doo has kind of delivered scary things in a family friendly box and i think that's kind of been a model that a lot of people have been trying to follow but if not quite succeeded at
0: i get that and i mean it takes me back to the time if people want to know why scooby-doo is still so important as part of our pop culture why still people have scooby-doo memorabilia that they either know that they either wear or that they either talk or show And that doesn't include, you know, everybody that wanted Shaggy into Mortal Kombat 11. To me, I still chuckle over that at this point in time, because it's kind of funny that that they wanted Shaggy in there. But still, even that, I mean, if Scooby-Doo wasn't famous, if Scooby-Doo didn't have a longevity, if Scooby-Doo lore didn't live with us in pop culture, it would have never had a group or a movement to try and get Shaggy into Mortal Kombat 11 in the first place. So, It would have been just another forgettable cartoon from the past. I can tell you this. If somebody does not know the legacy of why Scooby-Doo is just so famous and still so much a part of our pop culture, they need to check out the early first couple years of the Scooby-Doo series that came out, yes, in 1969 and the early 70s. And they want to check out the story building that they did because, that's when the Scooby-Doo characters were really at a point where we know them now. I mean, they've evolved, they've changed, but for the most part, anybody who's delved into Scooby-Doo lore knows them from these original episodes when the show was really good. It had a formula, had a basic premise, something that was really scary, something that scared them all, but they investigate, drops some clues, some shady people, some people that they thought they could trust, and at the very end... The mask comes off. It's all a phony. It's all a fake. And the cops take them away with them screaming about some meddling kids and a a dog. So you know what? The formula was the same every time. But boy, did it work. And even to this day, I will will let everybody know. If you get a chance to check out the original episodes, if you haven't already, please, even if you're going to go ahead and revisit them, I hope you do as we celebrate 50 years of Scooby-Doo. I mean, it just—it's just amazing, my friend, how Scooby-Doo and these kids and a Mystery Machine van still affect our pop culture in the way that it does.
3: Yeah, it was nice that every episode was self-contained, and like all the spinoffs too. We had Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, Scooby-Doo and oh, Third Ghost, Scooby. There's,
0: not, when no, I would, no, 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 let's not go there with Scrappy-Doo. Scrappy-Doo was a dark stain on the Scooby-Doo universe.
3: But yeah, I mean, Scooby-Doo 13 Ghosts, like all the movies too when I was a kid, like Scooby-Doo Zombie Island, there was a pup named Scooby-Doo. There's just there's a lot of like, it really has crossed all the generations in a way that a lot of the other cartoons like Flintstones and Jetsons have not even gotten close to. Even I know Muppets tried it with Baby Muppets for a while. There's just a lot going on with Scooby-Doo and it's able to do so much more than so many other cartoons like a lot of these cartoons that are on today they're just blips on the radar people will never talk about them again after, you know the next couple of years and scooby-doo has transcended time in its own way a pup named scooby-doo i thought that was good i thought that was good i thought abc
0: did a really great job of going ahead and bringing back the scooby-doo characters in a fun fashion but let's not go into those dark times with scooby-doo i'll I give you scooby Dumb, scooby Dooby Dumb, and all that you know that was that was okay. I'll give I'll give that as far as his cousins concerned, but Scrappy Doo. I'm gonna splat! I'm gonna splat! Splat! That little dog was so annoying. You just wanted to get him off the screen. And just basically it just they sacrificed all the other great characters like Velma, like Fred, like Daphne, and put them way to the side and actually even off the episodes in order to go ahead and focus on just shaggy scooby and scrappy because they thought those were the three cool ones well i'm glad that they that they finally got the you know the sense to put the original crew back together it's and as we saw over the years and and get rid of the that scrappy do era so to speak and and finally go back to what works as far as a formula for the scooby-doo franchise is concerned and i'll tell you what as someone who again is 50 years old himself just like scooby-doo I cannot say enough great things about it. Happy 50th birthday to Scooby-Doo and all the gang. You can meddle with us anytime, and hopefully you'll be meddling with us for some time to come. What are your thoughts out there on Scooby-Doo as it has reached its 50th anniversary? We'd love to hear your thoughts and your stories on on your background with Scooby-Doo. When did you first see it? When did you first start enjoying it? Which is your favorite character? You know, we want to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well popculturecosmos Humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well zoinks well coming up next we've got marcus de la garza from red green gold he's coming up right after the break with a nascar playoffs preview because the nascar playoffs are getting hot and heavy as they start this weekend here in vegas he's going to give us a preview coming up right after the break this is the pcc multiverse
2: Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there is a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions.
0: and we're back with the show it's gerald coming right back at you here and it's nascar playoffs time we've gone through the whole regular season everybody has been excited about what's going on the different changes the drivers that have come to the forefront some of the younger drivers coming up the standings a little bit more and some of the recognized names falling down and even out of the playoffs if you're jimmy johnson it's our subject right now for him but be that as it may it's still the playoffs for NASCAR. They start this weekend. It's all about some real great racing action. And here to talk about it with me today, he's truly been a great guest each and every time he's been on the show, whatever we've been talking about. And my goodness, this guy, if you think I'm varied in what I've talked about, this guy right here, he'll talk to you about NASCAR. He'll talk to you about music. He'll talk to you about drones. He'll talk to you about a whole bunch of stuff that's out there. It's a good man in need. It is Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, I just cannot thank you enough for being on the show. And I gotta get you one of these days to talk some fantasy football
1: as well. We will. We'll talk about fantasy football. And we were just talking before the show started about the Antonio Brown saga. And I'm really interested to hear what you guys talk about this week you know on that topic. So looking forward to your guys' fantasy football show and then, you know, just the Friday show generally. Jason
0: Dutch from the Voice from the Underground, we talked about the latest allegations on Antonio Brown. That's upcoming in our episode four. If you get a chance to check it out, I hope you will. That's available on Anchor, but also as well it's also on available on the Pop Culture Cosmos and Inside Sports and, and Voice from the Underground and all those great networks as well. And, we, you know, it's just an ongoing saga, you know, from the Raiders to the Patriots, now a lawsuit. Yeah, it's just, you well, know, and just we the can't trouble seems the fact- to follow him around.
1: And we can't forget the fact that he hired a social media strategy firm to help get him out of Oakland so that oh, things get real fishy there and you start getting to like conspiratorial waters. I just don't know what to make of this entire saga. So let's leave it behind and let's talk NASCAR. Um, yeah, well, like
0: he left 29 million behind. There you go. Let's go ahead and talk <laughs> about NASCAR. NASCAR is coming back to my home right here in Vegas. They're going to go ahead and have a South Point 400. I believe that's under the lights coming up this weekend. Just really interesting to see how this is going to play out as far as the first race for the NASCAR playoff season. All right, let me give everybody a real quick breakdown of what's going on and who's into the NASCAR playoffs right now. It's Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Brad Koslowski, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch. Alex Bowman, Eric Jones, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer, and Ryan Newman. I mean, that's a pretty good list. couple surprises for me and Eric Jones and Ryan Blaney in there, but for the most part, it seems like a very good field that's going into action this weekend.
1: It is. It's a great field, and you said it at the uh, at the forefront here. We've got a lot a lot of young drivers in the playoffs this year. I mean, just looking down the list, initially you see Chase Elliott, and it's a guy that's been in the playoffs, you know, last year, but he's a younger driver and he's a newer personality, and I think he's the kind of driver we want to see in the playoffs right now. Looking further down the list, his teammate uh, Alex Bowman in the 88 car, good driver. I think he came into his own this year. He had that one win. God, I can't even remember where that was at. Do you remember off the top of your head?
0: I could look it up real quick. if you need. Yeah, I'm
1: looking. Here. Well, here, I've got it. It was at Chicago. He had that. Okay. It was kind of a oh, Chicago Land. Win at, okay. Yeah. It was that fun win at Chicago. But you keep going down that list and then you obviously run into the Ryan Blaney's, the William Byron's, and even Kyle Larson to a certain degree. He's been around a lot longer than the other guys. But I mean, he's still a younger name in the sport. And I think he also deserves to be in the mix when we're talking about young, young guys.
0: So does that mean that there's going to be an inevitable change of the guard? Because some of the stars at the top are still at a very young age, considering, you know, from the old days of NASCAR, when the top drivers, Petty, Yarbrough, Pearson, all that, they were driving until a very old age or an advanced age, as far as in their late 40s, things of that nature. Here, you still have drivers that are in their late 20s, even early 30s, actually dominating the sport at this point in time.
1: The problem those guys are going to run into and it's going to lead to the changing of the guard is financial implications. The contracts that these guys, the the older guys in the sport or the guys that have been around a little bit longer in the sport are under are heavy hitters when it comes to financial payouts. The teams are able to you know, go out and sign guys like Ryan Blaney, Daniel Suarez, William Byron for a much lower entry point into the sport. And so these guys might not age out, but they might get bumped out because of pay rate.
0: That's something to consider because the whole NASCAR landscape has changed over the past 10 years because 10 years ago, it was all about being that face, going ahead and being able to be in in those commercials, being able to bring in all those sponsorships and things of that nature. Now, because the way it's changed and NASCAR is not as hot of a commodity as it was 10 years ago, you're right. Now, these teams have to be more fiscally sound in the way they make their driver decisions.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, these younger drivers are kind of changing the way that these teams are looking at the, you know, their traditional sponsorship agreements for the drivers as well. You see the young guys, Blaney, Byron, even Suarez, to a certain degree, using Snapchat, Instagram and interacting with fans much differently than the guys you know, of, of yesteryear have been doing. And that's- I don't the... need
0: that facey space, man. I don't need yeah, that.
1: Yeah, dude. And so you'll see there's going to be a, little, a huge change here as far as driver presence and I mean, we're starting to see even guys that have been around a while. Paul Menard announced that he's retiring this week. And who is taking a spot? One of my favorite, uh, Matthew D. Burrito, D. Benedetto. Um, <laughs> T- too, the funny. Pe- too funny. Yeah, dude, the people's driver. He's done really well this year uh, at Levine Family Racing, racing in the 95. Bob Levine, the, the owner there, has had nothing but wonderful things to say for him they kind of got into a weird situation where the Toyota crew wants somebody else in the ride for next year. And so Matt DiBenedetto wasn't going to have a seat at the 95, but Paul Menard is on his way out at the 21 car for Penske motors or not Penske for wood brothers who has an alliance with Penske. And uh, when he was asked who he would think would be best in the car, he said, please put Matt DiBenedetto in. So
0: not surprising. I've, I've seen his name at the top of the boards. I've seen him get some really, really strong runs over the course of this year. I mean, there's been times where he's been at the front of the pack and just had those, you know, like we've seen this many times before, had that stroke of bad luck happen to him, accidents, somebody spinning out in front of him, somebody taking him out, that type of deal. So his season could have been
1: even better. Absolutely. You look at it, Di Benedetto had, uh, I think it was like three top fives this year or something, one of which was a, a second place finish at Bristol that he probably should have won. And he got into it with Newman, trying to pass Newman and he ruined the arrow on that car, and and Denny Hamlin caught him and passed him at that race. But kind of been on the receiving end of some bad luck this year, but a really strong driver. I think he's improved leaps and bounds, especially with the crew chief he had this year. It's Denny Hamlin's old crew chief. This is a guy that I think is poised for explosive growth next year. You'll probably see the 21 car in victory lane at least once, maybe twice next year.
0: Touching on this subject a little bit deeper before we go in and head into your picks on who do you think is going to come out on top as far as the playoffs and some dark horses as well? I want to ask you this question. Jimmy Johnson, he had a chance. He was uh, leading the race in Indianapolis and it unfortunately just didn't materialize for him. That was his last gasp as far as trying to make it into the NASCAR playoffs. But unfortunately, he's an also-ran at this point in time. And I know that's a tough break for him, but... We've seen this before in the past, what, two, three years now, where they've changed teams, made changes, said this is going to be a fresh start, changed crew chief, sponsorships, things of that nature. Still, nothing seems to be working at this point in time. Is it over as far as him being anything relevant in NASCAR?
1: I don't think it's over, but we've got a rough couple of years coming up. If you're a Jimmy Johnson fan, you're going to have some highs, you're going to have a lot of lows. I think we're tr- starting to see his meteoric rise, you know, come all the way back down again. You know, the man won five championships in a row, and he was the best that there was. And he was on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast this week, and he, he was talking about some of the rule changes in the NAS- NASCAR that led to maybe his decline. One of the interesting things he talked about was I think it was during the 2007 or 2008 season he ran like 22 testing situations. Nowadays, it's unheard of if guys run more than two. I think a year. Very impressive, the amount of work they were putting in during his heyday. But I think it's going to be some rough times coming ahead for the Jimmy Johnson crowd. That being said, on Dale Jr.'s podcast this week, he made a very impassioned plea for, stick with me, my fans. We're going to win one by the end of the year. I promise you that. And he went in for a while saying, you know, this crew of guys is one of the best crew of guys I've ever had on a team at rivals, you know, whatever he was saying, 2007 or 2008 championship team. So I don't think he's done, but... Jimmy might have to take a little bit less money next year or something whenever his contract is up.
0: well you know it's performance based so at yeah. this point in time he is not performing at the level that he needs to it, it seems like more and more that he's looking like one of those old aging stars that's dropping lower and lower on the standings that you and I have seen over the course of our lifetimes in NASCAR.
1: I so. will tell you, Jimmy had a really interesting point, and it was the, the fact that, you know, in his heyday or when he won that five straight, the cars were much more difficult to drive in the sense that you actually had to feather the throttle. You had to ease on and off the brakes, and he said, you know, over the last two or three years, these cars, you're running full speed in the corner. If you even think about touching the brake, you're losing an arrow advantage, and it's just, it's not his driving style, so he's been trying to slam a square peg into a round hole. So, But
0: it sounds like there's a lot more parity as well.
1: Exactly. And and I think we're going to continue to see that increase over the next few years. You know, when NASCAR introduces their next generation of their stock car, the Gen 7, as they're calling it right now, it's going to be huge. It should be an even playing field. I think we're going to go to a standardized chassis made by one you know manufacturer, if the rumors are to be believed. It'll cut down on the JGRs running away with the season kind of thing.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. Once again, I'm on with Marcus De La Garza. just truly a pleasure having you on the show. All right, we've beaten around the bush a little bit for as far as the track, or actually we've raced around the track for a little bit, but now it's time to come into the home stretch. Now it's time to go ahead and get that white flag in regards to your picks to go all the way this year in the NASCAR playoffs. Because again, like I said before, it all starts this weekend here in Las Vegas at the South Point 400, so... Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., they're the solid picks here at Vegas. Kevin Harvick is just behind them. The money lines, a lot of money is going their way. Your thoughts on the maybe top two favorites that you would pick out of the list right now of 16 that's going to the NASCAR playoffs?
1: I can actually give you all four for the final, I think, if if you want them. Yeah, absolutely,
0: because it it does go down to those final four. It It still ends at Homestead, correct?
1: It does. This year's Homestead. Next year, they're moving it to Phoenix, which I think is going to be fun to rotate the final track of the season.
0: You know, I would love to see them rotated. I would love to tell them where to rotate it to, but I don't think they'll take my suggestions. But Phoenix is at least a a step in the right direction.
1: I agree. But as far as the final four, for sure, I think we're going to see Kyle Busch there. The man's a workhorse. He's done well all year. He's got four wins this year. He's got 13 top fives, 21 top tens. That's huge. I don't think anybody else put up those kind of numbers this year. Only had one DNF this year, which is, again, that's huge. If you're trying to put together a championship season, which he did, He's our regular season champion. I mean, perform second to none. The other name you have to look at is his teammate, Denny Hamlin, won the Daytona 500. He won Bristol just a few weeks ago. He's won uh, two other races besides that and just really putting together a really competent season. It's been, I don't want to say like a Cinderella story, but its it's been a beautiful story to watch starting with the Daytona 500 and Joe Gibbs' son. I can't remember his name right now, but they won on, you know, they're basically won for his legacy, right? It was a beautiful story. The next name you have to look at, I think, is Brad Keselowski. I hate to jump over Kevin Harvick, jump over Joey Logano, last year's champ, but I think Brad is hungry this year. There's something about the way he's driving right now. You know, he had a rough shake in Indy, but I think there's something about that car that's going to turn around here in the playoffs and really make a good push. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention at least one Chevy. I think it's going to be Chase Elliott in the final. I think he's going to put together something, you know, Pretty nice here in the playoffs. Whether that's you know a win at Talladega or somewhere else, but he's gonna he's he'll get a win and and move on. You know, and and I think he might make the final four. I actually no no not might. I'm gonna go ahead and call it Chase Elliott final four.
0: So he's your surprise. He's your dark horse, or is there someone else that you think that might sneak into that final four?
1: <sighs> All right, so uh, I'm gonna play up to the Vegas hometown crowd a little bit. I already have Kyle Busch. I'm gonna throw a Kurt Busch in the mix as well. If I had a dark horse candidate, it's going to be Kurt Busch. That's a veteran driver at a competent team. They've kind of fallen off as of recently, but they still have all the components in place that they could string together two or three wins here in the playoffs and take the championship.
0: Can't say you're going to be off on that because I think that's very sound reasoning. For me, I think, I mean, right now, Kyle Busch is the heavy favorite. I mean, I I think when you look at, actually, best place I go to is nascar.com. The thing I look at the most is who's led the most laps, and he is led almost by over 200 laps than anyone else as far as Kyle Busch is concerned. So I think him going ahead and coming out on top and being in not only in that final four but being the one that comes out on top at Homestead, I think that's a very real possibility. And of course, he's done very well here in Vegas, so it could be a you know off to a great start for him and his team with the M M&M and M and all that. But I also want to say that if you look at another driver in that mix, I think you already said it yourself, Brad Yeah, He's led almost a 1,000 laps so far as well. And I think if you're looking for someone that's not won as many times as he has, but still, he's got three wins so far this year. He did end up six overall in the standings, but I think he's going to be somebody that you need to look out for as well. And I think for me, a surprise... I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the pack. I'm going to okay. probably say Ryan Blaney. The reason why I say Ryan Blaney, of the last eight of the final eight individuals that are in this field, he has far and away led the most laps. I think of someone, if he just their team, when you see that number and he's down to number 12, but yet he's led almost 400 laps this year, that tells me that the consistency has not been there all season. If they find that consistency or even get on a hot streak, because you don't even need to be consistent from one race to the next. If you win a race or if you put a couple good races together, not even back-to-back, you can go far in this playoff series. The only thing you have to do is be great once every two weeks. That'll get you in that final race to Homestead if you do that. And I think Ryan Blaney is somebody to watch for as far as the Dark Horse is concerned.
1: Yeah, the only thing that concerns me about Blaney is his playoff point standings right now. He's a little bit low in the list at 2,004 points. There's only four dudes lower than him, Byron, Almirola, Boyer, and Newman. Kyle Busch is sitting at 2045, just based off of stage wins he got this year, plus bonus points for winning races. That's going to be a high bar to overcome when you've got people like Hamlin, Shureks, and Harvick who are at most 17 points behind.
0: But if he wins early, it shoots him right
1: up there. Absolutely, and and that's, uh, to your point, I think that you know, if, if Ryan Blaney can pull it together here and, and, and just like you said, win or not win, but be great every other week, you're right there in the mix.
0: I think that's the key. Uh, No DNFs. If you get a DNF that could really hurt you, especially this time of the year in the NASCAR playoffs. But I mean, right now, Kyle Busch here in Vegas, the money's on him and I'm not surprised, but look for like how, like you said, for Brad Keselowski as well. And, you know, there's so many, it seems to me that the top drivers, you you can never count out a Truex Junior, can never count out a Harvick, you can never count out any of the great stars are up there. Joey Logano, I mean, he surprised not too long ago when he won his championship. So, I mean, there are names there that really could, could do very well. Chase Elliott, I know you talked about him is he going to go ahead and bring it up to that higher level? You see where he's at in the standings. You see that mm-hmm. he's, he's performed. He's got a couple wins under his belt. Now, can he make that step further? Do you think he can go ahead all the way? Kurt Busch, you talked about, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, he's got that one win. Can he find the consistency over the course of time? It, it To me, it's just a great to see it because now it truly means something. Now it's important. Now these drivers seem more focused more than ever.
1: You know, the playoffs kind of give you some clarity, right? And we hear that from sport to sport to sport that all of a sudden you buckle down and things that actually matter are actually the things you're doing for the first time all season. Could you imagine if they did that all year? <laughs> I want to mention something real quick. And of you course. mentioned the, the DNF situation. Coming down to the end of the season, DNFs are a really big part of where you end up in the standings. And I just want to take a moment to recognize, you know, put number 16 and number 17. Brian Newman, Daniel Suarez, they were battling in Indy on Sunday, trying to figure out who's going to take that last slot in the playoffs. If you look at their numbers, top fives, top tens, they're largely the same. Laps led, Suarez led more laps. However, Suarez had two DNFs, Brian Newman didn't. Those points make all the difference at the end of the year. And that's where it, you need to make your case for You have to be great at all times in order you to do, you do. A playoff season.
0: And that actually speaks to the entire team, not just the driver. When you have those DNFs, That could be something that could have been prevented by the team. And so that's something that takes place there. Uh, You know, not just a driver having an accident out there. It could be a mechanical issue or what have you. It, It takes a team effort in order to go ahead to put that driver into the NASCAR playoffs to the point where they're not only just barely squeak in, but they can also be competitive as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah
0: all right my friend oh i'm just so excited rev up your engines everyone i'll tell you what it's going to be a great nascar playoff season and it all starts this weekend here in vegas for the south point 400 i know you're excited my friend i know you're going to be on social media talking about it just you're so excited right now and you're going to be tuned in to everywhere you can in order to go ahead and follow everything going on with nascar playoffs but you know what I'm going to invite you back later in the year to talk to me about something else in regards to Amazon's Expanse, which I know you have a great interest in. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on The Expanse when it returns to a streaming format later this year, but also some fantasy football, man. You know, I've got that inside sports fantasy football show. I know you're itching to come on it as well.
1: I am. I, you know, I haven't had, I, I shut down my podcast last year, about a year and a half ago. And I've just, you know, I find every chance I can to talk about sports in real life with people. I'm getting to the point now where it's like, Oh, I think I need to start my podcast up again because it's time to start talking sports.
0: I know how it is. I know how it is.
1: Well, I want to take a second and just say, thank you, Gerald, for having me on again. And thank you to the PCC Network for everything that you guys have done, You know, whether it's listening to our segments, as I record with you guys, or coming out to the Red Gold Green shows earlier this year. I know you put out a, a call to uh, get people out to the shows, and we really appreciated that. Thank you so much for that. Um, oh, no
0: I, I'm sorry I missed you here in Vegas. I tell you what, when you come back, I got to come and see you, my friend. But you know what? Your videos, I love posting your videos. Everybody needs to check out the Red Gold Green because it's a great flow the fact it looks like you guys are having fun, I think is what, what comes across to me the most.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, that was a really interesting experience. I've known those guys, you know, since 2009 and I've been friends with them since. And I got a phone call earlier this year that said castle we're going on tour. We need help on social media, videography, photography. We need a driver in a stage hand. Like, can you come help? And it was just like, yeah, you guys have done so much for me throughout the years. Of course I'll be there. And it was a really interesting experience. I loved it. I can't wait to go do it again. We'll see if we can get out on the road again.
0: I wish you guys the best. Your music is awesome. All right. I'm just so excited for NASCAR playoff seasons, my friend. And I know you are as well. Thank you so much. And as always, I'm just so glad to have you right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos.
2: If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only 5 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
0: And we're back to close out the show. This is the PC Multiverse. If you need a listing, we're wrapped because we're being played all around the world seven days a week on great radio stations out there. Check out our listings today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. My friend, how can I get a copy of your awesome book? Congratulations, you suck.
3: It'll be back in stock on Amazon on the 27th. So if you order it now, it'll be shipped to you in a couple of weeks, but it, they'll have it actually in stock on the 27th. You can also get Barnes and & Noble and also booklocker.com. And that's,
0: again, congratulations, you suck. It's available, again, on barnesandnoble.com and wherever you get your books. I also want to make sure we thank Marcus De La Garza for stopping by with a NASCAR playoffs preview. But before we head on out, we got to break down another 10 on our top 200 video games of all time. At number 130, it's Mega Man X. 129, it's Marvel vs. Capcom, Clash of Superheroes. Number 128, it's Half-Life 2, Episode 2, Number 127 is a classic I know so many people have loved and played over the years, and that is Donkey Kong. 126 is Devil May Cry. Number 125, Danganronpa, Trigger Happy Havoc. 124, Castlevania, Dawn of Sorrow. 123, another great game that has a lot of history that I know you enjoyed, Banjo-Kazooie. 122, Twisted Metal. 121 is Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U and 3DS. So you heard that list, my friend. It's a great list. A lot of history with this 10. A lot of games that have made their mark in the video game industry.
3: Yeah, I kind of like this 10. It's all over the decades, unlike the ones we've kind of been doing before. It's either been one specific era or another. Donkey Kong, this was the first game I played on Game Boy. This is, I got this game... Donkey Kong on Game Boy, and I remember uh, it wasn't the Donkey Kong that I wanted, because I wanted to play, like, the newer one that all my friends were playing on Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64. But I still remember spending hours playing it, and I would try to rack up as high of a score as I can. Then we get to Devil May Cry. Love this franchise, and I love the way that it's kind of echoed through time. Banjo-Kazooie, of course. uh, Nintendo 64, one I played especially I, I'm still. I there have been whisperings about a new Banjo Kazooie game coming to Switch and possibly Xbox because uh, Microsoft owns Rare now, but that hasn't really uh, materialized in any way. Do you have any favorites on this list? To be honest with you, I think I'm gonna probably
0: have to go with Donkey Kong. That was one of the first games locally that I got actually very interested in playing. I know Asteroids was also. But yeah, Donkey Kong, with its version, when I used to either go to the old liquor store, as they used to call them, or used to go to the arcades, Donkey Kong was a favorite that I just truly enjoyed. I was never really great at it, but I'm sure put a lot of quarters into it. So definitely something that I will truly remember. But yeah, this is a very historic set of 10, a very impactful set of 10 for the video game industry. And if people really want to check out the entire list, because the entire list has already been released, you want to check out the entire list today at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. It's all right there for you. It's just a great way to go ahead and experience or remember those great games from either recent or the distant past and see exactly where our listeners and our followers truly look at as far as what they feel is a great experience in video gaming for them. So check it out our top 200 video games of all time. But on Monday's show, we'll definitely go ahead and count down another 10. It'll be 111 to 120. But yeah, this list is very monumental for its own reasons. And I look forward to counting down more great titles on Monday's program. Speaking of Monday's program, we got a lot of great things coming up for the Monday show, The Pop Culture Cosmos, including that list which we just talked about, plus also Josh and hopefully Jamie Monroy from GameSource are gonna be breaking down their thoughts on both Gears of War 5 and Borderlands 3, some initial thoughts when it comes to Borderlands 3 and some extended thoughts when it comes to Gears of War 5. Plus also we'll wrap up the box office weekend and we'll also talk about a lot of stuff that went on at Tokyo Game Show. I do really wanna touch on the fact that we've seen so much footage from Death Stranding and another almost hours worth of gameplay was shown this weekend at the Tokyo Game Show. So I want to ask you coming up on Monday's show if this is too much and it's going to turn people off to the game or if it just gets people more excited when they see so much footage of Death Stranding. So we'll talk about that plus all the other great games that were announced that people will be looking forward to including Final Fantasy VII Remake and the footage that was shown there. So my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. But as we close we got to be talking about some finger-licking good stuff before we head on out, because if you go to the Steam store, you're going to go ahead and see, and I cannot even believe that I've lived long enough to say this, a Kentucky Fried Chicken dating sim. So I want to ask you, my friend, in order to get your next date, are you looking for that finger-licking good time by playing I Love You, Colonel Sanders, a finger-licking good dating simulator?
3: I I'm still having a hard time believing this game exists. I watched the trailer. It lo- it's got a very like campy anime type feel to it. It's it looks funny. It looks like something that might be worth checking out just to see what it entails. But from what I understand, you're just you're a chef, right? And you're trying to cook so much that you impress Colonel Sanders, and that's how you get him to go out on dates with you. You really gotta admire like the the amount of thinking and time that goes into some of this stuff. I, I probably am not going to play it, but um, it just, I admire it, you know, if that makes sense.
0: Well, to me, it reminds me of a lot of a game that came out some years ago in How to Huttiful Boyfriend, which was a pigeon dating simulator that garnered a cult following and really created a lot of interest there. So I'm telling you, man, if you want, or you're interested out there in looking for some help and in maybe getting more into your love life, Maybe start with, I love you, Colonel Sanders, a finger-licking good dating simulator, and maybe give you some ideas to go ahead and and you know get you on the right track when it comes to your love life as well. And if not, hey, it's a KFC dating simulator. What could possibly go wrong with that? It might be just really finger-licking good. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassworth. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Okay, auditions for the new Earth Station Who co host. Take one, go ahead.
1: Hello, Stonehenge, who takes the Pandora Cup, takes the universe. But, bad news everyone, cause guess who? Ha, listen, you lot are all whizzing about. It's really very distracting. Could you all just stay still a minute because I am talking?
0: Not too shabby. Can you close this up?
1: Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. You never know where the TARDIS is going to go next. Earth Station Who podcast can be found at www.earthstationwho.com. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO network. We are up on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace and we are done. Did I pass the audition?
2: We'll get back to you.
0: Next.